This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Patterson, right wing, into the Rangers zone. Patterson makes a move into the slot shot right now. Stop pressure, Sturkin rebound, he scores! A tremendous deke in tight. Deke beat with a beautiful goal after he was stopped on the initial chance, but he tucks it inside the post. Suter, near circle, backhand pass, right side, Hoaglander with a beautiful deke! Oh my word, he scores! Niels Hoaglander behind his own back, tucks it in past Shosturkin for his second of the night, and it's 5-2 Canucks on a highlight reel goal. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. To Besser, to center, for Pedersen, he shoots, he scores! Elias Pedersen scores his second of the night and 19th of the season into the yawning cage. And the Guado line does it again. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks 5-3 over the Rangers in New York. Incredible, an incredible performance of firepower, skill, and finesse, creativity. Incredible goals by scored by the Canucks tonight, and what a performance with a victory over the Rangers. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number Five Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bik Nazar. We are going to welcome in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. You can interact with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280. 0650 or toll free 1-888-275-0650. And Bick, I mean, it's one of those games where, sure, the Rangers threw a lot at the Canucks. Uh, Demko had some good moments, maybe some not so good moments at times, but he was a huge part of the reason why the Canucks were able to hold on to a big lead early in this game. In the third, the Rangers obviously, you know, had the run of play, but even though they give up some chances, and even though the Rangers look pretty good at times, I can't really take too much away from this Canucks team considering the opponent being on the road and how they scored their goals tonight. You've heard me use the phrase, you know, a, a statement or a placement game. And I've, I've, you know, times this season I've said, okay, this is the placement game. It, it confirms where you are. This is a statement game, right? I've, I've been wanting to see a game where both teams are playing at a high tempo, high level, and it's another marquee opponent, like one of the league's best teams. And the Canucks just put up six against the New York Rangers, who were playing really well tonight. And it was a a tempo that was consistent throughout the whole game. And the Canucks hung with them. This felt like, it looked like a playoff game. So this, to me, is a huge statement. And maybe we have to, you know, rechange our statements when we say things like, Oh, yeah, they're somewhere between the 10th and 12th best team. Yes, a 6-3 final. Here yeah. I go, messing the... Uh, Are you screwed the up again? I did it again. 6-3. New year, same set. Elias Patterson scored in, into an empty net. Had four <laughs> points tonight, two goals and two assists. 6-3 victory over the Rangers in New York. Uh, I was getting some notes ready before Patterson scored that goal. And... Brock Besser had a three-point performance, a goal and two assists. JT Miller with a lone goal, but a big night from the lotto line tonight. Let's welcome in Randeep Janda into the conversation. And Randeep, uh, how would you sum up this victory for the Canucks tonight? Well, Sad, I was going to say you're thinking number five because the, the <laughs> show is sponsored by the number five. That's why you said 5-3. You yeah. forgot about the six there, so it's good for branding. Uh, boys, that was... A, uh, from a broadcaster's perspective, such a fun game to call because they were going toe-to-toe through about 40 minutes in this game before the Canucks exploded for those goals by Pedersen and Hoaglander. But this is a a legit team in the New York Rangers. Points percentage-wise, 
they're up there fighting with Boston and Winnipeg as the best team in hockey. And for the Canucks, not only to put up a six spot on their home ice, but the way that they did it. Vinny Trocek scores early. That, you know, power play is looking so good. And the Canucks looked rattled maybe on that PK a little bit. But what happens? Less than a minute later, JT Miller scores. And there's a confident group on the ice. And you could see it, even though there are moments where you expect one of the best teams in the NHL to really attack you and, and put you in difficult situations. Guys, they look composed for most of this game. What really stood out for you uh, in this game? Uh, look, there's there's specifics, obviously, lotto line. The thing that really, you know, for me, uh, I'll pitch this to you, Randy, is the, the fact that this game felt like it stayed at consistent speed, a high speed, the whole game. And, yeah, okay, there were, there were moments the Rangers had chances, and obviously they scored goals, but the fact that the Canucks were consistent with their battle level in that, to me, is what stands out. Totally, and I, I think one of the things that Batch and I talked about before the game started was, like, are you getting to pucks, to, uh, pucks early? Are you dictating the game yourself? And that's what Vancouver did uh, throughout the game. And, you know, active sticks throughout the night, but whether it was the lotto line really dictating what's going on and, and you know, powering them and putting up points. But, guys, the effort level, they were ready for this challenge. You know, sometimes we, we in the media talk about measuring stick games and, you know, this is a challenge and players will sometimes downplay and say, hey, no, it's just another game. We've got to put our best foot forward. Tonight felt like the Canucks understood what was at stake here where you've got legit one of the best teams in the NHL. Last time you played them, you played really well five on five, but you kind of shot yourself in the foot with some penalties. They score in the power plays and you get one point out of it, but you feel like you can do better. Today it was just the speed at which the game was played, especially in the first period where it felt like the Canucks on three uh, three perspectives. The four check were really, really you know difficult to play against. And also at the Rangers blue line, even if the Rangers got out of their own zone, there are multiple moments where Canucks forward skating forward were just standing them up, just providing that resistance that, that Rick Tockett loves to mention, saying, hey, I want my team to, to skate forward. I want them to be sticky in the neutral zone. And that really set the tone for the rest of the night as the Rangers, you know, didn't have all that much success. and Or at least they had to work for their goals, which is something that, you know, the Vancouver Canucks can be extremely proud of. They walk away with two points tonight, but the way they played the game, uh, I think if you're the coaching staff, you'll love that. They should be pretty cons- uh, happy with how they play. Now, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if there are moments that the head coach is going to say was too loose, especially with how back and forth it was at times. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it was a very entertaining game. That second period, it was the back and forth action with chance after chance and them exchanging chances. Uh, our dream watching the game, coaches, maybe a nightmare to some degree. So I'm sure there are things he won't love about the game tonight. But when you look at the degree, the level of, uh, the, the degree of difficulty against this level of an opponent, a real Stanley Cup contender, to come away and score the types of goals they scored tonight and we can talk about the lotto line a lot but it's like go throughout the, the lineup we were lotting the Bluger line with Garland and Joshua for scoring some beautiful goals the last little while and we know the lotto line have been doing their thing but how about the, the Niels line the Niels connection Niels Oman to Niels Hoaglander then Pew Suter to Niels Hoaglander I mean these are guys scoring highlight real goals throughout the lineup Boys, I heard the uh, the intermission there, the nearly Neil's line. Uh, hey, man, as nearly Neil's a legend in Rogers Arena, so let's go with that one. Uh, but I love overall, that. Yeah. Guys, overall, guys, uh, that line, a couple of things on that front, right? Niels Hoaglander was so engaged tonight, and when he plays like this, and I'm not necessarily even talking about the goals. The goals are great. Two-on-one, you know, Sam Lafferty makes the play on the wall. Niels Oman sets up Hoaglander for the goal. Great finish. The highlight reel goal that we're probably going to see a lot over the next couple of weeks 
uh, through the legs and just going through Shesterkin, one of the best goaltenders in the league, that's unbelievable. That's something that Niels Hoaglander has had in his game going back to Sweden. But just being a thorn in the side of, you know, defensemen where there's a, you know, a moment in the game where just not, not you know, losing a puck battle, or if he does lose a puck battle, it's going to be one that, you know, the New York Rangers had to earn. And I remember one exchange where it was him and Zibanejad. And Zibanejad, you could see how there's peripheral vision, just annoyed by Niels Hoaglander. That's what you want. And I feel like when he's in the bottom six, he can play that a little bit more freely. He can play reckless. He's not overthinking. And for me, that line was great. But I love the way that, A, Hoaglander, you know, showed that he's got that high-end skill to finish. But, boys, just to be a thorn in the side, and he can play freely. He's not overthinking it as he maybe he does on the second line. And, you know, credit to that line. They did a heck of a job. Uh, I also thought, you know, there was that stretch right before uh, the goal that Panarin scored, the 3-2 goal, uh, and Besser, you know, tries to, to make that pass to Zadorov. But right before that, boys, uh, the aggressiveness of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, there was multiple lines. They were able to get, you know, a change. But just to, to work off the cycle, look dangerous, be aggressive on the forecheck, uh, that was another example of it felt like, not only one line, but two or three lines were going through, and, and the Rangers couldn't get the puck out of their zone. So that speaks to, of course, the effort level that not only the top line is uh, is bringing, but it's trickling down to everybody else too. Well, some trust as well from the coaching staff yep. and uh, Rick Tockett because uh, a couple people texted in because there was you know a, a minute left in the game, five minutes left in the game, and people saw 96 out there. So an opportunity, yeah, two-goal lead, but an opportunity uh, for Rick Tockett to roll everyone out. Yeah, I'm really liking that mix there. And I know the, the ice time is not that high in terms of mm-hmm. compared to the last game. He's about two minutes short of uh, what he played against the New Jersey Devils in terms of Kuzmenko. But when you're able to play with Pew Suter and Ilya Mikheyev, uh, two guys that are extremely defensively responsible, that's not letting Kuzmenko off the hook. They're, he's played better. Uh, we haven't seen any egregious mistakes. But you're starting to see a player that's thinking shot first, right? Shoot first where maybe when he was lacking confidence, he... He wasn't in a position to do so. And, you know, last game he picks up six shots. Um, He had some good opportunities in today's game as well. So even though, you know, that's a moment late in the game where, A, it's trust, and B, you're just saying, hey, this line has done some good work. Let's see if we can, uh, you know, they can be rewarded with uh, a goal. And even though he didn't have any shots on goal uh, recorded tonight, uh, I still thought uh, another game where you can be positive if you're Andre Kuzmenko and say, all right, this is a step forward. Because one of the things, guys, that we talked about a few games ago was how do you work Andre Kuzmenko into the lineup against teams like this? And they just did, and they won 6-3 against one of the best teams in the NHL. So even going back to our conversation last week, uh, this is progress. He ends the night as a plus one, uh, and that chemistry is starting to show a little bit with Suter and Mikheyev. Elias Pettersson, a lot of discussion around him, obviously, um, the last little bit. And you've heard the post-game shows, Randy, and people being very critical, even oh, in yeah. victories, and, and talking about whether Pettersson deserves this money or not. And... It's easy to say, hey, put put somebody with good line mates and they'll produce. Sure, but the level he's producing seven points his last two games now. Yeah, it's it's really something that you know. This is kind of the peaks and valley of, valleys of a, a hockey season in a Canadian market, right? Where you put somebody with Elias Patterson's skill, and not only that, but the chemistry that this line has is is just really, really like it, they didn't miss a beat when they were brought together in the New Jersey game. And what I love is that there's the understanding of, hey, these we're going to be interchangeable parts, you know. But the priority is we understand we all have skill, 
and you still got to drive the net. So whether it's Brock Besser going through the middle, whether it's JT Miller, whether it's Elias Pettersson, uh, they understand what to do. And with Pettersson, you know, that goal that he scores, just the, the dirty dangle, really, like the, the great hands uh, in tight to beat Shesterkin, uh, that's such a high-end play that you're, you're looking at and saying, okay, this is when he's in a position, when he's fully engaged and he's ready to go, which is, looking at his stats, about a month, guys, he's still a point-per-game player. I know there's been a lot of talk in this market. I know we've talked about it as well. But you put players next to him that can play at that level, he can make them better still, right? And they can make him better. So it really gets your, you know, you thinking. Because the last time we talked, boys, and Sat, you asked us of, you bring back the the lotto line. And I was skeptical because I thought the balance of the lineup would be off. But you've essentially issued a challenge to that line to be, you know, when you're out there, you're going to dominate. Two games, they've done that. And you've also issued a challenge to Pew Suter and that line to be better as well, which they've been also. So, you know, credit to Elias Pedersen and his line mates, but also credit to the second line for stepping up. And these two games, has <laughs> it's been fun hockey to watch. Hopefully it's the same tomorrow night. Uh, not only did, you know something we wanted to see of of the team you know reaching another level, but it felt like another uh, reclaiming for the Hughes heroic pair. They were tremendous throughout this evening. I think they ended up plus four throughout the, the the game, but they were plus five I think at one stage as well. So uh, those two showing that they have a high point once again. Oh, totally. And I I think what's something you know the way that teams are playing them has changed a lot of the the output that we were maybe talking about a couple of games ago uh, but even in the last game against the Devils you could see that they were finding their opportunities I thought Philip Ronick yesterday um, or sorry the last game against the New Jersey Devils on Saturday the way he was making those stretch passes the way he was playing aggressive in a different way but he was really on and that continued into tonight as well where Quinn Hughes gets credit for one assist guys but you know the way he's able to start plays and Usually he's the person, you know, the assist, the way we measure assist is really interesting because it's primary or secondary, but a lot of these goals uh, that he ends up helping out on, you know, he might not even get an assist on, but his play, his contribution is so important to getting it going. And there's a couple of moments today where he doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, show up in the box score. He doesn't show up outside of that one assist. But Quinn Hughes, the way he's able to wield, the way he's able to even reset and then all of a sudden head up, boom, pass, zone entry into the, the zone. And a classic example I, I would say of that is the 2-1 the Niels Hoaglander goal where Sam Lafferty makes the play at the blue line to chip the puck forward to Niels Oman. And they get assists, but who's the guy that just kind of peels back and creates a little bit of time for his teammates to get set and just buys himself some time? It's Quinn Hughes, and there's so much that doesn't show up in the box score that this guy's doing. And what I really liked about that pairing, boys, they both played sub-22 minutes today. You got it back-to-back. You're playing the New York Islanders tomorrow, and everybody else, whether it was Ian Cole playing 20 minutes, whether it was Tyler Myers playing 19, Zadorov at 18.49 – and Susie's in that 19-minute range to real balance on the back end, and that keeps you fresh for tomorrow night. It does, and considering the opponent tomorrow, the New York Islanders looking to get their uh, revenge because the Canucks beat them in overtime when they uh, were visiting Vancouver with Bo Horvat earlier this season, of course. So that's going to be a big one to keep an eye on, and you're going to need all hands on deck. We'll see if the, the coach makes any lineup changes when Noah Juleson not playing, see if, if that happens or not. But was there anybody on the back end you would look at and wonder – uh, could come out for Noah Juleson? Yeah, it, after a game like that where, you know, it's very similar to the Jersey game where, hey, that was full of confidence as well. You win 
uh, you play some of your best hockey. If there is one individual that you want a little bit more balance, I would keep it the same personally. But if there's one, I would say maybe Nikita Zadorov because Coach's comments today about, hey, he's still kind of getting up to speed. He's still trying to, you know, uh, shake out some of the things that, that maybe he did in Calgary and we don't do so much here. Uh, there's a couple of moments where puck management was a bit of an issue, trying to kind of just throw a puck to the open space, which almost led to a Rangers goal. Not necessarily I would scratch him for that. I'm just saying if there's one player that uh, as of right now you want to keep that going back and forth to say, hey, we want Juleson in here as well and we can reset Ian Cole back to the left-hand side, uh, it's probably Nikita Zadorov because I think all of those other players that we mentioned, uh, Ian Cole, Susie, uh, Tyler Myers had a strong game and they've been heavily relied on. But if I was, you know, if I was in that position, I'd keep Zadorov in. I thought this was a, a strong game and I, I wouldn't make any changes. Uh, all right, Randy, thousand people have voted on it. Which goal was better, Pedersen or Hoaglanders? Oh, man, I love the Pedersen goal just because it was a wow moment to say, I can't believe you did that. But come on, Niels Hoaglander going in with speed right. through the legs and just opens up the one of the best goaltenders in the league where – if you're Shosturkin in that moment saying, I got this, and then all of a sudden um, that highlight real goal, uh, I'm giving it to Niels. That's my vote. How's the, how's the vote looking? Uh, right now I think it's 57.6% in favor of Elias Pettersson. But I, okay. I, th- I think these are the two best goals of the season. Yeah, and oh, it yeah. happened back-to-back, yeah. which is incredible. Minutes oh, apart. Yeah. We're, we're spoiled in this game because it was that, you know, the way that they play in second periods right now, I, I don't know what it is about the second period, boys, but – uh, there's whoever you know the sleep doctor is, whoever's consulting this team. I'm, there's there's something going on in the second period. I don't know what they're. I don't know if they're slamming pizza slices or or bio steel or whatever they're doing in the in the first intermission. It's working because not only were those great goals, it's a, a consistent pattern here of just having monster second periods. So yeah. I think they improved a plus twenty four in the second period, which mm-hmm. is uh, an equal edge over the Dallas Stars. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I think all this is uh, coming up Canucks right now. It's pretty incredible. Uh, the season they're having, 40 games into the campaign, sitting atop the Pacific Division with 55 points in 40 games. What a start to the campaign. Great stuff. Hey, Randy, uh, incredible stuff calling the game. We'll look forward to chatting with you on the pregame show tomorrow when the Canucks take on the Islanders and also hearing your call. Love it, boys. Thank you, and I'll be uh, listening on my way home. Uh, lo- Cheers. Love it. That's Randy Jan calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor, and this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Now we have lots of analysis coming up. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, we are going to get to the phone call- boards in just a moment. We'll hear from the head coach when it becomes available as well. But before we go to the phone boards. The text inbox, Bick, is absolutely jumping. A lot of reaction. Ryan and Shimanas. Hello, Sat, Bick, and Randy. Go Canucks, go! And I know he always talks about puck possession, and mm-hmm. uh, certainly saw that from the Canucks on their beautiful goals tonight. Uh, Lotto line reminds me of the West Coast Express. That is Chris looking good. Uh, 650-650. Every time the Rangers put the pressure on, beat a goal, zone dominance, power play, whatever, the Canucks found another gear. It's a beautiful game. Brings a tear to my eye. That's an unsigned texture uh, to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, this one, it's all caps, so I'll, I guess I have to shout it out. Oh, uh, so it's not all lies? 
So it's not a lot. Anyways, just go on. What a game by the boys. Lotto line has got to be a top three line in the league. Not a single power play, by the way. Is this the finals preview? It wasn't uh, all caps at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you can brought it down. Yeah. Antonio's well done. Uh, Aichi in Toronto. How long until we can use the word elite when it comes to this Vancouver Canucks team? You guys can use whatever word you want. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, completely. Whatever you want to do, you can certainly do that. Uh, we have a lot of text. This one says, this is from Ron. Y'all can do a victory lap. I remember how you guys kept cool and defended PD when the Neanderthals were constantly hating. I was nodding along in agreement the whole way. He was well over a point per game with Lafferty Mikheyev, ghost of Kuzmenko on his line. No wonder this is happening right now. Let's go get our own version of Vincent Trocek so we can keep the lotto line together with a solid second-line centerman behind them. Now, we wouldn't use the Neanderthals line. I'm just reading the text messages. We we, we read the text there. Um... Yeah, no kidding. Seven points in the last uh, couple of games. Not from bad. Elias Pettersson. Hey, you put it with elite players. Pardee texted in earlier and said the same thing. It's like, you put guys with elite players and they can go off. And sure, you would like to see guys do some more at times. But I always thought the Pettersson stuff was overblown. Like even, so even this morning, this today, we're doing the pregame yeah. show and people were texting in. It's like, well, does Pettersson need some limeys to produce finally? It's like, well, up until that game, he had 15 points in his previous 15 games. So he was a point per game for 15 mm-hmm. games, which, sure, not at the level you want to see from him. But this whole idea of like, oh, this guy's struggling, he can't score, he's not putting up any points. It's like he's literally playing not his best hockey, and he still has 15 points in 15 games. Like the level of uh, dismay and, and disgruntlement this, with his um, play, I think, is, was, was overstated. I shouldn't ask this, but we'll, 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 well you are now. Is this a thing that's only in this market? Because I feel like this no. doesn't happen in other cities. No, no. It's, I mean, same thing happens in other markets. Star players, they always, you know, they're people that no, aren't, no. aren't Of course, that sold. happens. I mean, the idea of, like, pairing good players with good players. It, it just feels like it's it's a common refrain to just, like, yeah, good players together do well, incredible things. I guess there was some talk of some many years back about splitting the Sedins up. Remember that even? It was like, maybe we should split, split the Sedins up. You know what? Up. Hang you on. You may have that? just tapped into something. No, no, I, I definitely didn't forget about that. You may have just tapped into something because those two players are symbiotic almost, right? They, yeah. they almost get paired as one to the point that it was always like, Taylor Pyatt can play there. Steve Bernier can play there. Anybody can play there on the top line. And the Sedins make them work. And I almost wonder if people forgot that they're two separate play people. Like, Henrik had Daniel and Daniel yes. and Henrik. Two Hall of Famers were playing together. And I just wonder if it's the thing. It's like, oh, well, top line players. They can just play with anyone because anyone went on the top line. It was two line. Hall of Famers together. It's, yeah, it's two Hall of Famers together. Surprise, surprise. Good players with good players do incredible things. Yeah. You may have just answered my question right there. There we go. I, I, I wonder if that's part of it. I think it is. I, th- I think part of it is some of that. But nonetheless, Canucks come up big. The question is, how long do they keep these this mm-hmm. trio together? Right now, the way they're going, I don't think you think about uh, making any changes at this point. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Uh, a lot of good questions um, but before we do that, let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. I know what you're laughing at, Vic, but uh, I, I can't read that right now. We'll get to that coming up in a few minutes. Uh, but let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, to the phone boards, we'll start things off in Vancouver, where we have Paul on the line. Paul, what are your thoughts on a 6-3 Canucks win in New York? Oh, hey, guys. This is actually Paul from Coquitlam. Oh, okay. All right. Welcome, Paul, Paul yeah. Coquitlam. <laughs> So, hey, um, so I've called into your show probably a couple of dozen times in the last two or three seasons, and all, almost all of my calls have been pretty critical. Like, I think I'm 
a very realistic but balanced fan of this team. I've been watching them since 1979. And in all honesty, I've watched almost every game since 1979. Okay. So I think I'm pretty well versed in the history of this organization. Um, I can say with certainty that this is the best and most complete team that the Canucks have had since 2010 to 2012. This team is, is more complete. It is better than the 93, 94 team. It is better than the West Coast Express, 2002, 2003. Like, those were obviously really good teams in the history of this, this franchise. But, like, I'm, I'm totally surprised that I'm saying this. But this is an excellent, excellent hockey team. And I think this organization needs to go all in, right? Because this happens, what, once every 10, 15, 20 years? If, again, I sound, it sounds ridiculous to say this, this will be the best opportunity that the Canucks have to win the Stanley Cup is 2024. And Alvin and Rutherford, I know they know that. They're obviously very smart hockey people. They understand when it comes to the trade deadline, they're going to have to make a couple of trades here to push us over the edge. Because I, I seriously think we've got a very good chance of winning the Stanley Cup. Anyway, leave it there. Thanks, guys. Uh, great stuff. Thanks for the phone call. Paul in Coquitlam calling in. And uh, is it – this is – I mean, yeah, I don't think there is mm-hmm. – it's not going out on a limb, I don't think, saying this is the best team we've seen since 2012. I mean, uh, the best team – the highest point team was actually the was a 2014-15 team that had 100 points uh, this, with the Sedins in Benning's first year. Yeah. But we all agree that that team was nowhere near as strong as this mm-hmm. team here. So I agree, the best team since 2010 to 2012 because back-to-back President's Trophy winning. I think that was the only team after the, the 2013 team that had above a 600 points percentage. Yeah. So it was, it was just the 14-15 year. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much it. And, and I don't think that 14 15 year was anywhere near no. the level of team that this this squad here is um in terms of you know going for it what how the team's going to go about it we have a lot of questions and comments about players what the Canucks should go after uh, a lot of buzz all of a sudden within the fan base of going for it let's go all in on this there's season. a lot of a lot of we're some second line centers we'll get into that in a bit you know is, is there a coincidence though that people are feeling that way not only because they won this game big but it's game 40 Mm-hmm. Like they won this game in game 40 we're, we're we're almost at the official midway point of the season Only one game away from the midway point of the season It's not a small sample anymore mm-hmm. It's a half a season 40 games And in those 40 games The Canucks lead the entire National Hockey League in goals They lead the entire National Hockey League in goal differential They lead the entire National Hockey League in regulation wins They're one of the best teams in a lot, Best defensive teams in the league By the way, goals four games. per game as well Goals Exactly I mean, They're, they're fourth I think in goals for Against, sorry, goals against per game. They're top five yeah. in goals against in terms of being yeah. limiting goals against. All these factors, and it wasn't just a hot run anymore. This might be who they are. So if this is who they are, why shouldn't you be confident? Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't you want this team to be aggressive? Look, when we talked about being aggressive, I, I think there's different tones that we've wanted to see, right? Some people text in and be like, oh, the, this this rental player that's, you know, might be 30, 31 years old. You know, that's not necessarily the market I want to live in. But if it's a 25-year-old player, like that to me is still being quote-unquote all-in. Yeah. But it extends your viability beyond this year. That that to me is more of the quote-unquote all-in. Uh, you know, I, I don't worry about being aggressive or paying 
a, a lot if it's the right player and it's something that's going to sustain in your organization for some time. So, you know, the idea of like, okay, now this is the game that proves you can go all in. This team is required some work. They, they need an injection of talent. The, the fact that you're having a good season to me is just only more credence to that. If you wanted to compete next year and be real bo- moving beyond this this year, you, you you had to make some investment at some point anyway. So mm-hmm. if people are on board with it, yeah, okay, the, then uh, it's good to see people uh, subscribing to uh, what this team can do this season, but also now it's about shifting the, to the right target. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the big key. Now we'll get to a lot of questions and comments about that. Marcus and Gibson says, recency bias a bit, but this team is special. He's very right there, referring to Paul in, in Coca-Cola. Let's take one more phone call before we hit the break, and let's go to Vancouver again, where we have Raj on the line. Raj, thanks for calling in, buddy. What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, guys. Um, yeah, so I just want to talk about the comment that the guy just made about going all in. I think that we have a lot of good defensive prospects coming up from Sweden right now from the World Juniors. We have the uh, Elias Pedersen, the not as paid Elias Pedersen. And then we have um, Willander. And I think he played really well. They both played really well, a lot of minutes for their team. So I think in a couple of years, they'll be able to make the defensive core better. I think the Canucks need to play in the playoffs because... Teams like the Kings have went there two years in a row, and uh, they've barely lost to the Oilers. So I think they should at least play one round with this team before thinking about making any drastic moves. Um, other than that, can you guys comment about William Nylander's co- contract, monster contract, and what implications that has for Pedersen's future contract? Uh, That's about it, guys. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, on the Pedersen contract, I mean... <laughs> It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Basically, the biggest question with Pedersen ultimately comes down to when does he want to sign and how many years does he want to sign for? If he wants to sign for eight years, it's hard to see him signing for less than what Nylander got. No wonder he played so inspired these last two games. <laughs> Reports started coming out. Be like, bag. yeah, maybe 11.5. He's like, all right. Uh-huh. T- time to come through. Now the market's set. I can start pushing towards 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reuniting with the lotto line uh, helped out helped that in a big way as well. Great timing on it. Yes, on an eight-year deal, I think it's fair to look at that contract and expect if Pedersen signed a deal, it'd be slightly more. It, it, it probably just because he's a center. Yeah, I know he's playing. He played wing with JT or whatever alternating positions or whatever. But he's considered a centerman. He's considered a center. He's this would be two years in a row where he's got a hundred points the way he's going right now. He's probably getting more than what Newlander is getting if he's willing to sign for eight years. If he's not signing for eight years, then we're talking about a different discussion it, entirely anyways. More than anything, it probably just solidifies that mark. Yeah. Right? Of uh, saying, okay, like, Pasternak signed that deal, then Nylander signed that deal. I'm in this range. And so this is kind of the benchmark to, that we build off of. If it's long-term, if it's short-term, okay, determining factors but this is the range of player that i expect to be in so that's going to define how much money gets paid yeah so it's it, just another mark because it, it is funny because there is that gap in the the league of guys in and around that price range right it's you know sitting there is dowdy Tavares, passionate carlson uh and austin matthews and panarin in the 11 million range um, Marner's at 10.9, Huberto's at 10.5. So he's going to get more than Huberto. Yeah. Now to throw a Nylander at 11 and 5. So it's, it's, it's a small group, but 
He's probably in that range. Yeah, that's what I would say as well. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. As the Canucks Central Postgame Show continues, presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? Number 5 is open. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks have it back. Corona ahead for Pedersen. Right wing into the Rangers zone. Pedersen makes a move into the slot shot. Right now, stop pressure. Sturkin rebound. He scores a tremendous deke in tight. Deke beat with a beautiful goal after he was stopped on the initial chance, but he tucks it inside the post past the outstretched pad of Shesterkin, and it's 4-2 Canucks. What hands by Elias Pettersson. Here's Pew Shooter across the Ranger line. Shooter near circle, backhand pass, right side, Hoaglander with a beautiful deke. Oh my word, he scores! Niels Hoaglander behind his own back, tucks it in past Shesterkin for his second of the night, and it's 5-2 Canucks on a highlight reel goal by Niels Hoaglander. Get ready to watch this one on Sportsnet Central on loop for the next couple of weeks. Both were so good, we chose both of the goals for the play of the game. Brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Canucks win 6-3, highlighted with two tremendous efforts. Perhaps the two most beautiful goals the Canucks have scored all season long, 40 games in, and they happened within seconds back-to-back. And, Bick, you had a poll question on Twitter, at Bick Nazar. You can check it out on Sportsnet 650's Twitter page as well. Which goal was better? I'm going with the Pedersen goal. Uh, I know Randy mentioned the Hoaglander goal was nicer, but my, oh my, what high level of finish by both players and a tremendous setup too. I mean, Teddy Bluger does great work on the Pedersen goal. Pew Suter does tremendous work on the Niels Hoaglander goal. You need uh, your teammates to help you out when you finish the way these guys uh, did tonight, but both those goals are beauties. And yeah, it's not an easy choice debating which one is the better one. I went with Pedersen one as well. I think the Hoaglander one's higher skill. But I think the Pedersen one's harder to pull off because you're you're collecting the rebound. You got to think in real time of oh, I got to go around to Sturkin. You're taking contact, and as Ryan uh, tweeted, saying I'm going with Pedersen because 99 percent people don't have the patience in that play. Oh, so yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot to like. There, there's so many dynamic elements to the Pedersen one. Plus, doing it through contact, uh, I go with the Pedersen one. But I think the Holander was just more naturally higher skill. I would agree with that. Uh, Naturally, I would say so. I just like the finish that Patterson had. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be able to finish in that close and take the rebound and put it. I mean, it's just incredible, incredible display of skill and finish by both players. And, I mean, it was two goals from Niels Hoaglander tonight, too. You know, the first goal he scored mm-hmm. wasn't quite as dynamic, but was incredible play too. I mean, we oh, talked about was, Oman. It, was good, yeah. it wasn't as beautiful, but incredible pass from from Oman into the middle of the ice, and then a great finish from Niels Hoaglander. I mean, all the goals outside the empty netter were beauties tonight, pretty much.
Even the play Pedersen yeah. made the best series yeah, was in right. high school. So, like, you know, the Miller did, goal. The Miller goal was year, nice. Yeah. Pedersen made a great play to, to Miller. So, I mean, all these guys scored wonderful goals tonight. And that was one of the discussions we had about this team. It's like they're getting a lot of greasy goals because they're getting traffic to the net. And, and there was this big debate about shooting percentages. And one of the things we mentioned was, listen, you got to give the guys credit. They're going to the right areas. They were amongst the best teams in the league in getting chances in front. They're amongst, amongst the best teams in the league in having offensive zone time. So a lot of things, even though these traditional metrics weren't showing it offensively, they were doing to generate the types of chances they were generating. But the type of skill chances and creative chances we know they're capable of were kind of lagging behind. And part of the question was, is that a ver- is that just how the season's gone? Is this something that's lacking in their game? Or is this something that's going to come with their game as they get more and more comfortable with how they play under this coach? And the first line of break through all that was the Connor Garland, Dakota Joshua, and T- Teddy Bluger line. Mm-hmm. They've been scoring wonderful goals. And one thing the coach mentioned was, we, ha- we can be creative, but we have to be creative in our structure. And once we get more comfortable, we think we can do that. And that's what we're seeing now. I mean, because these plays are, are not happening, you know, just rush plays although a couple of rush plays in there, they're coming off the fundamentals, winning in their own zone, winning along the walls, and then making high-low plays and making cross-ice passes from good positions. You're not seeing you know, these, these unsustainable mm-hmm. creative plays. You're seeing sustainable creative plays coming off their structure, and I think that's very encouraging. Yeah, the, the, Miller, the first Miller goal, it's Quinn Hughes breaking out from behind the net. The Hoaglander goal, the second one, it's Hronik uh, reversing to Quinn out to Hoaglander. It's coming from their own zone. Uh, the Besser goal, it's huge with a quick up off the wall near the end of the period. Driving, t- uh, driving towards the net. Yeah, it, it's it's all very credible stuff. Um, you know, the Pedersen one, again, it's it's high level, incredible, high skill. Um, but yeah, all this stuff in, in Ho- or the, the, the fifth Hoaglander goal, the fifth goal of the game, um, it's Suter entering the zone one on two, and then he just it goes to the middle the of the ice. He just protects the yeah. puck and then finds his guy. Um, it's, it's, it's not like a team is kind of sitting back and counterattacking and, and waiting for these opportunities. Like some teams do, like the Kraken did last year. The Flyers kind of doing it this year. The, that sort of stuff I'd worry about the year-to-year stickiness. Again, like the shooting percentage will regress, right? But is it going to regress to such a stage where they're now 20th in the league scoring? I, I, I don't get that sense. One of the things that I, you you and I have talked about, and, we, and oftentimes we do chat after the games late into the evening about the team and what we saw, but – you you wondered if the team could quote unquote live this way offensively. Mm-hmm. Can they live what you're the way they're playing this, now? Well, you mentioned okay that line, and as much as they were playing off the staples, you know Rick Talkett also mentioned, hey they listen, and suddenly you get an example, and this that line starts scoring some inventive goals. All right, well everyone's got to kind of follow suit now, and the, the rest of the group like led by the Lotto line here these last two games. This is some phenomenal hockey here in two games that that line is playing. Yeah, absolutely tremendous. And and so so now they've uncovered a, another layer to the offense, and you just see it like everyone's kind of building something. So okay, there's an evolution to this now. How long will it run here? Is it a, just a hot shooting percentage in these last handful of games? But at least uh, at least there's they've shown another layer here. Yeah, that they can always if if they can they can go back to just being able to show that you have that peak, which is one of the reasons I, I kind of question. We like, I, I don't I don't know if I've seen a peak from this team this year. This was a peak game. It was a peak game, and listen, their riding percentage is no doubt right. But this is something that I've been you know the point I've been making too is they will come back down a little bit, and maybe they won't come back down until next year. But I don't see the offense drying up to the point where they're bottom third of the league in terms of offense. Do they go from being the highest scoring team to the 
sixth highest scoring team, seventh highest scoring team. You can team. still win as the 12th best scoring team. Last year, the Vegas Golden Knights, I think we were the 14th highest scoring team in the National Hockey League. So it, you need to score, obviously, but you don't have to be the highest scoring team. But the Canucks right now are with a bullet, intre- incredible offensive performance. And like this text message says, it's like asking us which baby we love more in terms of which one of these goals you <laughs> like better. And those two plays were our play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. Uh, Bick, before we go to the phone boards, what are the people saying on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox? Uh, 650-650. This one's from Fuzz in Burnaby. Gentlemen, the operational leadership of this franchise is at an inflection point that may shape the next five to seven years of the franchise, this trade deadline. Will there be a fundamental shift and go all in for a contender caliber cup run, or will they stand pat and play the long game? That's from Fuzz and Burnaby. Yeah, I think they're going to be aggressive. I would still be surprised if they're trading away firsts and their top prospects for pure rentals. Mm-hmm. But I do believe this team wants to improve. And and I don't think this game turns the tide. Like, we've been talking about this for weeks, and I mentioned this last week as well, talking to people within the team. Like, they, they're... 100% on the outlook to see what they can do to still mm-hmm. improve this team and take this team to the next level even. Yeah, you, you can't let one game define you know, what you want to do, but it, it's a good marker to say, okay, th- they've shown something that we didn't think that they could now. Mm-hmm. It, it's another level to say, okay, is, is it worth rewarding this group? And is there something we can do that both helps the now and the future, and that's what threading the needle of, of a rebuild looks like. It's yeah. how do you help to do now and do the future? I know people text in and be like, I'm still worried about the future, just do a rental. Rentals aren't necessarily cheap, so is it worth paying an extra 5% more, 10% more to get something that helps you now but is going to be with you here in the future? Yeah, n- no doubt, and I think that's going to be what the team weighs, ultimately how they go about it, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if this team – does a bit more to make this put this squad over the top, or at least how they view it being over the top. Um, and this is a question: This year alone, who's outplaying their contracts more, Miller or Hughes? Both are making essentially the same. Miller oh, eight million, I'll say Hughes, Hughes seven point eight five. But that's this is just like it's asking a great question. The, the, it's a great question. Which goal is better? Yeah, I'll say Hughes. That is a really good question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going to win the Norris, isn't he? Or he could very well win the Norris. I guess it depends. As, as Eddie just mentioned, it's it's compared to uh, like what the next level player is making. So Kale McCarr makes $9 million. Yeah. Um, he's having a fantastic season, too. Uh, Quinn's obviously less than eight. Um, who are JT's comparables? Production-wise, like on, on the year now, JT is going to move to, I think, sixth in scoring so far. Pasternak, Kucherov, McKinnon, Nylander are ahead of him. Yeah, guys making so he's he's probably making. It's, it, it might be yeah. JT, like in terms of functionally, it might be JT relative to his peers that are yeah. already earning money. Yeah, because a defenseman they, they're not really breaking through that ten million dollar barrier with mm-hmm. ease, you know. So it's kind of a bit different, but yeah, a good point there. By buddy. the way, JT Miller sixth, uh, Elias Pettersson eighth. Oh, so Pettersson's back in the top ten yeah, scoring he's, again. He's uh, scoring at the same or not same rate, but he's got uh, two less points than Connor McDavid. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Well, seven points will do that in two games, I suppose. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. All right, let's get back to the phone boards. Let's take a couple phone calls. Then we're going to hit head coach Rick Tockett, 604-280-0650. And let's start things off in Nanaimo with Aiden. Aiden, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Oh, boys, am I hyped tonight. That was awesome. Holy crap. Um, Nicholas Holglander, 
Oh my gosh, what a goal. That was nuts. Uh, Thatcher Demko holds the man, 39 out of 42 saves. Can't complain about that. Two road wins in a row against New Jersey, against New York. Oh my gosh, I literally thought when they were going on the road, I'm like, okay, this is going to break them. They're going to maybe win one in overtime in the next four games. They're on the road. Yeah, I was wrong. They proved me wrong. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, the next game, I think, is in a couple of days, and I think they're back on the road again. But you know what? Keep that momentum up. And <laughs> you know what? This is this is coming out to a, a great season. And every single game, I just keep getting excited and excited and excited because they're getting so much closer to the playoff spot, even though that they that is not halfway through the season yet. You know, they are – second in the league right now and if they keep winning even if they win at 500 for the rest of the season they're in a playoff spot i don't think they're gonna go below 500 in the next month i think they're gonna keep doing it and keep rocking it and they're probably gonna have one of the historic seasons that the canucks ever had i'm hype boys i hope you enjoy the game let's go all right thanks for the phone call uh the canucks 55 points in 40 games 42 games remaining they go 500 they get to 97. Uh, by the way, uh, big shout-out to Aiden. Because last post game he had his Kuzmenko moment because the phone was cutting oh, out. Yeah, yeah. Came back, worked on his game. Phone line was good. so It was, it was clean. It was strong. He got competing. his thoughts in. Competing. competing. All right. Uh, we have another competitor on a text. Uh, we have a few more competitors on the phone <laughs> by boards. By the way, I want to update on some texter-on-texter texter, uh, battles here. Okay, what's going on? What's going uh, on? Because the, the last couple of games, you know, Jay and Poco has mentioned Sats Messiah, Elias oh, Pedersen. Yes, 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 and has yes. been calling him out. And traditional Souk stepping oh, yeah, up. yeah, yeah. And uh, traditional Souk's been backing it up here today again. Where is Jay in Poco? And then, sure enough, uh, Jay in Poco uh, texted in. I, I feel like I just lost the text here. There's I have so it here. T- you got it? it? Okay, Should right. I read it? Okay, Jay in Poco. Credit where it's due. There we go. PD's banking points. Good for him. The idea he wouldn't have a game like this eventually is nonsensical. If he wants Panarin Pasternak money, this has to happen far more often. There we go. But I'm just saying he's credit where it's due. He's doing it. He's doing it. Uh, but Jay and Poco stepping up. 650. 650. I, I feel like Patterson has already been as productive and Look, more consistent as Panarin. I'm just saying people are being consistent. They're 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 willing to, to come back hat in hand. Listen, okay, you know, uh career high in goals for Patterson. How many? Thirty nine? Thirty nine. You know how many guess how many the career high the career high for goals for Panarin is in a season? For a Temi Panarin? Yeah, guess. Uh thirty seven? Thirty two. Oh really? Okay. Career high for points in a season by Artemi Panarin. Uh, well, he had a good one a couple of seasons ago. Uh, man, was it 100 or is it 96? 96 is the answer. Is it? Nice. Yeah. So already, Elias Patterson has had a better season, 103 points last year, than his career high, Panarin's career high. And he already has more goals in a season, 39, than Panarin's ever had. So I get it. Look, facts but don't matter. I don't get it. No, I get it, but I don't get it. It's like if you want to use the comparables, like you might want to check the numbers. Yeah, but how many times did Panarin fall down that season? <laughs> that's that's what people really want to know, Sat. That's what they're really saying. Tremendous, tremendous. Fair, fair, fair. Ah, uh, yes. That's all. I mean, Panarin. You know, I, I, hey, I love Panarin. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you want to say he's got to be like Panarin, he's already been better than anything Panarin's ever done in a single season. Facts only. 
Facts only. We, we deal in facts here. All right, let's take one more phone call. Let's go to Sean in New West. Sean, what's going on, man? What are your thoughts tonight? Sean. Uh-oh. All right, uh, let's go to Gary. Gary, what's going on? If you got me? Yeah, we got you. Uh, I want to talk about something important. I was telling the producer this. I was screaming at the TV set. My neighbors even heard me, and they said, are you watching the hockey game? I said, you betcha I'm watching the hockey game. I'm going to say this. I don't care about the trophies. I don't care about the points. I care about wins. And I'm going to say this. If you ever watch uh, the, the, the the baseball player for the for the Toronto Blue Jays when he goes goes around the bases and he puts his finger up to the up to his lips, shh, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Period. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's Gary Maple Ridge. Fire it up, fire it up, Gary. Bringing the juice. Uh, a couple of people texted, and I'll, I'll read this one from Alex in Chilliwack, who said, "Hey guys, remember I, I asked you to mark it down? And yes." I, I had to create a spreadsheet of yes. all the people that wanted to mark it down. He said, I, I, I called it then, planned the parade and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, Alex, you know, I marked it down November 4th. He's coming back in. He's doubling down. Listen, Alex, mm-hmm. you might be onto something. By the way, I'm looking at my uh, market downs. The the one you the, the bet you made with iMac of Reinhardt will have more points than Bedard by the end of next year. That's a rough one. Who's going to have more? What's that I, You said Bedard will have more points than Sam Reinhardt by the end of next year. And and IMAX oh. and Reinhardt. Oh, but and the next but yeah, Bedard yeah. got hurt. I mean, it's it's tough. Bedard is hurt. What do you want me to do? I can't do anything about it. Injuries happen. It's a tough reality for eighteen year olds in the NHL. <laughs> Might get hurt. Uh, this okay. We've I, I don't want to do this about like you know, but we've had a lot of people texting and asking us about Mike and Surrey. Where is Mike and Surrey? I have people tweeting mm-hmm. saying where is Mike and Surrey? Mike did text in. Uh, he said he's been texting it all night. He has. He has. But, but, but oh, I'll just do this, Mike. It, it helps when you text. One text. When you text fourteen texts <laughs> with like one liners, and then like other people text like, in between, and we're we trying to, like, see re- it, we're trying to but see it comes it. like in five different pages, so it, it it hurts. It hurts our ability to read your text, Mike. But, but okay, I'll just read that. Yeah, I'll so just say that. so if he thinks we're we're misrepresenting him, like he accused us of doing in the past. Because Mike went from saying he, he well, he started the season saying they're a bad team when I'm when we said right. well, they're not a bad. He said well, what I meant was they're a ninety point team. We're like okay, fine, whatever. And he's saying we were misrepresenting him, and he's kind of changed his outlook. He said first they're a ninety point team, they're ninety five point team, they're ninety seven point team. Maybe now he has them at hundred and two or four point team. Who knows? Whatever. But he says there have been other very skilled teams. None have shot twelve percent and percent regression is coming. Uh, Igor. Uh, is not as good as Demko, and Igor is not himself. He's like Demko last year, Mike says. So, and and he said uh, he he showed money puck, uh, saying that you know the deserve to win a meter was higher for the Rangers and how they deserve to win the game. So he's still skeptical. I'll, I'll leave it at that. There All right, go. we'll get to more of uh, the text messages and more phone calls. But before we do that, let's hear from the head coach. Here is Rick Tockett after an impressive six three win in New York against the Rangers. Yeah, I, I liked our start, obviously, and, um, you know, I think for the most part, I mean, that's a tough team over there, and I think, uh, you know, we have to contribute from a lot of different people, different lines, you know, um, and that's what you do. To beat a team like that, you need a lot of contributions, and I thought we got it from everybody tonight. You hadn't heard when I asked you the other night about the lotto line and all its history, right? You're going to hear more about them. Now. Yeah, yeah. Are you surprised at all just how much they've been able to do in two games? No, because I think, you know, if a team over, you know, if somebody overplays something, we, those guys can counterattack. You know, you saw that a couple of times. If uh, somebody pinches or if there's a play, they, their conversion rate is obviously a lot higher when they're together. So, um, 
you know, um, obviously the last two games, I don't know what the conversion rate on, on odd man rushes or any kind of, uh, you know, uh, play where the other team overcommits, that's the conversion rate, right? So that, that that's all three guys can convert very well. What do you think of the night for Hughes and Veronik? I think the score was 5 nothing with them on the ice after two periods. Yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, uh, especially Huggy, I thought. I thought he was... He was dialed in today. You know, like he, if you watch him, he wanted the puck every time. He wanted to be on this, every situation. I, he gets like that sometimes. You just look at him. You just, you know, he wants. To, he wants it. Like he, and you know, he craves the the pressure. Give me the puck. I want to. Be, you know, I want to go back and get the puck under on a breakout. I want the puck on the blue. And he wants stuff in pressure situations. So uh, I thought he was dialed in tonight, Huggy. Your goalie won't probably get a lot of talk post game, but his first period for you guys? Uh, Demer? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Demer was good. You know, like a lot of different guys. I thought, thought the whole team was really good. A lot of you know, contributions. When you put um, the lot of line together, was that to get each other going? Because they've cooled, a, individually they've cooled a little bit. Well, I, I think, I think um, sometimes, it, it's not stale, but I just sometimes you need your team a little bit of a juice, uh, even your, your star players. And, uh, you know, when, when you put those guys together, you know, you didn't really have to say anything. They knew, hey, get me on the ice in certain situations and let us go. And you could tell. You know, I didn't have to say anything. Every once in a while, they look at me like we're ready to go again. So I, I like that. You know, they, they, wanna, they, want, they want the responsibility to, to, to be in those situations, of course. You've had the mantra earn your day, and you don't want the guys getting too high, but should they feel special about this one, Madison Square Garden, a team that's beating a team that's at the top of the NHL. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's a learning thing where, yeah, you should enjoy this. But, you know, it's, you know, to be a really good hockey team, consistent all the time, you got to, you know, you got to just make sure they save and kill. I mean, you know, I got to give the guys credit. They're, they're, they're rarely learning you being even kill. You know, I don't think we're strutting around like, you know, we're, we're whatever. But you should enjoy and have confidence. I mean, the, the Rangers pressed, and we did a couple of nice plays under pressure. That's what I like is, uh, you know, not backing off. I mean, you can't hold that team for 60 minutes. It's a really good hockey team, and I thought for the most part we did a good job, even even when they pressed us. A pair of really skilled goals with Pedersons and Hoglander back-to-back. I mean, just how much of a lift did that, that bring your bench? Yeah, I thought, you know, the couple goals by Hoggy, you know, um, you know, he gave us, uh, you know, some energy, and those goals were big for us. You know, when you get a fourth line, you know, and I, th- I don't think they they played like ten or eleven minutes. When they're getting a couple of goals, I mean that's huge. I mean, uh, and Hoggy can do that. You know, um, sometimes you want to bump him up, get him some shifts when he's when he's hot like that. But you know, I just want I just felt all four lines were were contributing. You think your transition maybe a little bit of speed the way you guys moved it through, especially Hughes the little pa- passing the puck through, stunned them a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah I, I th- well I don't know if they, it stunned them. Um, I feel with our team, we've really worked on it this year. Even when I came in last year, we want to be a, a quick up team, and I think it's really helped some of our guys um, in our transition game. Um, so, you know, obviously Huggy and Phil, they lead the charge when it comes to those neutral zone regroups. You noted the teams were pushing out more on them. Have they begun to adjust? For, say that again. Hughes and Hronick. Yeah. You, you noted that the teams were yeah. playing them a little differently. Have they begun to adjust? Did you see some of that tonight? Yeah. I, you know, a couple of times, if you looked early, team, they were pushing out. So we reset behind the net. So the, the puck went to Millsy and Petey behind the net, and we got some chances off of that. So when teams push out, if we can get the puck down low, you know, sometimes you might have that slot shot like we got. Um, 
you know, with with uh, especially on Millsy's goal. So, you know, it was a, you know, we reset it, and then all of a sudden, when wingers push out on a D, that middle's open if they don't get back. So we have to adjust to that. I'm sure teams will adjust like we adjust on the teams too. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 6-3 win in New York against the Rangers. Happy with uh, how most players played tonight. Didn't want to single out anybody individually, but he was asked about Thatcher Demko. We've had some reaction on Thatcher Demko here, and he wasn't at his best, right, tonight. I thought there were moments where he had a couple goals where you're like, yeah, you know, Demko, that's Trocek one down the wing, great shot. Mm -hmm. He might be able to save a Panarin one. Again, a great shot, maybe, you know, cheating a little bit, a little too far into his net or whatever. You can can maybe look at those two and and wonder slightly or whatever. But he did a lot. He did, man. And Murph asked a question about the first. I thought he was great. But the second in particular, there was a lot of back and forth action. And in Vancouver, when they had those two beautiful goals scored late in the period to make it uh, a, uh, what was it, 5-1 lead at that time, I think it was, or make it a 4-1 lead at the time. Uh, the Panarin goal? No, the the, uh, the Hoaglander and Pedersen goal. Uh, 4 2 5 two. Four, two, five, two. Made yeah, it 5-2 yeah. at the time. Because um, it was they had come down to make a 3-2, and then the Canucks scored two. Demko made a number of massive saves in that period. If And who knows how this game unfolds mm-hmm. if a couple of those go in. So you can look at, at a couple goals. Say he gave up, uh, you know... Uh, one or a couple too many or some moments you didn't like back for him or you didn't like one of them or whatever. But if it wasn't for him standing on his head in that second, this might be a different outcome. Uh, absolutely. There's the one on uh, Trocek uh, and then the, yeah, the, 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 the in-flight chance there. And it, even um, like the Truba chance where Truba takes a shot, gets his own rebound, Demko saves that one too. Uh, he, he was pivotal. And, and yeah, the Panarin goal could have been, been a bit better. The uh, Trocek goal could have been better, but there were pivotal moments that Thatcher Demko was uh, up to the task for. Yeah, no, certainly. Great performance from him between the pipes. The Canucks with a 6-3 win over the Rangers. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox and the phone boards as the Canucks Central postgame show continues, presented by the number 5 Orange. When was the last time you had a hall pass, and when did you? When was the last time you spent time with a real Vancouver legend? More coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. This is Alpine Credits Canucks Hockey. <laughs> On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Patterson dumps it behind the net. Truba has it, throws it up the near side, but Besser holds in and spins it back behind the New York net. Patterson in front for Miller. He scores. What a play by Elias Patterson. It's the lotto line again, cashing in, and JT Miller finishes it off to tie the game at one. What a response by the lotto line after that Rangers power play goal. I think um, sometimes it's not stale, but... I just sometimes you need your team a little bit of a juice, uh, even your, your star players. And uh, you know, when when you put those guys together, you know, you didn't really have to say anything. They knew, hey, get me on the ice in certain situations and let us go. And you can tell. You know, I didn't have to say anything. Every once in a while, they look at me like we're ready to go again. So I, I like that. You know, they they want to, they want, they want the responsibility to to, to be in those situations. Of course. Canucks head coach Rick Tockett. After a 6-3 victory over the New York Rangers, 
in the Big Apple, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, we are going to get to the phone boards coming up in a few minutes, and we'll get to some post game player reaction as well, and hopefully have Ian McIntyre join us for the final uh, half of the last segment. But before we do all that, Bick, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. Dunbar Lumber 650 650. Yep, keep the text coming in, 650-650, all day long uh, on all the shows. Uh, this one, uh, this is why you p- play your best players together. Balance depth is overrated when you can't have three all-stars on your top line take over a game. Lotto line should have never been taken apart. That is Steve in White Rock, Darren in Delta Port. Uh, way to play Canucks. I listen at work. I drive a tractor trailer, and I was honking and yahooing with every <laughs> goal scored. Josh Mission. Just like scaring people yeah. on the roads. Uh, the wagon is loading up, boys. Management needs to add to this team for the playoffs. How could they see games like this and not give this team a legit chance to win it all? That is from Josh in Mission. And a lot of 94 rematch uh text coming in here vibes the yeah. vibes are there it's only 30 years ago like i mentioned earlier only 30 years ago so uh, a long time ago when that happened but you never know man you never know and listen i had the rangers as uh cup finalists and mm-hmm. cup victors this year so i've been very high on this rangers team so nobody's more impressed than me watching the canucks play the rangers the way they've played and uh trust me i would love nothing better i think the rangers have a great chance of getting there by virtue of my uh preseason predictions sticking to your priors i am sticking to my priors with the rangers on the canucks uh well i'm not sure so what i, ha- I had the canuck i had the rangers versus the oilers in the cup final that's the way i viewed viewed it to begin the season oh, oilers, we've all had bad takes. Yeah, hey the oilers right now are surging man like they're uh i'm not so worried about vancouver but la better i mean la's lost four games in a row like, L.A. could get caught by the Oilers the way they're going right now, right? Uh, the Canucks, the way they're playing, they're completely... I had them being a playoff team. Didn't have them being as good as they are. Nobody had them being as good as they are so far this season. And I think the more we see, and they take on take down a team like this, and when you look at how the Canucks have fared against playoff teams, yes, there's some contenders they've lost to. Vegas one really sticks out. There's a few games here and there. But they've beaten some good teams as well, right? And their win percentage against playoff teams is amongst the best in the National Hockey League. And their win percentage against uh, non-playoff teams is the second or third best in the, in the entire National Hockey League. So a lot of this talk about the Canucks can't be contenders, I do think is very much narrative-driven. A night like this, does that change the outcome as well a little bit? Yeah, I, I wanted to see a game like this where it was a, another top team really at the paces and the Canucks keeping pace and, and passing them. There have been a couple of games against you know good competition where I thought, it's like, all right, it, it wasn't the other team's best effort. And the Canucks team get two points. You can't control yeah. that. Um, but th- this is, to me, the most impressive win of the season. Yeah, it's one of the ones for me. Yeah. It's one of the ones. Steve Owen Sanich, wins like this get the attention of the Eastern media for Coach of the Year. There you go. It's a good point by Steve Owen Sanich. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650 We'll get to more of them as the show goes on. Tons here that we have to dig through still. So we'll do our best to get most of those text messages going. By the way, we should mention there's a post post game show as well, taking you to 10 o'clock. Josh Elliott Wolf on the way yeah. at 8 30. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, We'll give a nice lead-in to young Josh Elliott-Wolf coming up after uh, the post-game show ends here. What better lead-in could you ask for? Can't ask anything better than the closer coming in, the triple threat to put this night to rest. Um, Let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650. Let's give Sean and New West another chance, and let's see if we can get him on the line. What's going on, Sean? What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, 
Th- thanks for taking my call here. Uh, great win. I watched the game on the Rangers feed, actually, on the Madison Square Garden Network feed. Oh, nice. The legendary Sam Rosen. And I got to say, those guys aren't homers. They, uh, they really gave the Canucks full credit before the game, during the game. Um, they, they really are impressed the Canucks, and they're really uh, – they thought that if the Rangers got into a track meet with the Canucks, that the Rangers would not win this game. So they're basically five on five with their playing on. Um, but yeah, big two points getting the win at in New York. And uh, people are you know saying stuff about Pedersen, PD uh, earlier, like you know a couple weeks ago. The guy's a game breaker, like I said in the past, and the guy can just change a game, you know, and win games, you know, and help the team win. With the, tonight, he proved that he had a four point game tonight, right? Um, so P's going to be fine. This team's rolling. And uh, before I let you go, Sat. All i got to say is one thing to you this Saturday. Good luck to your Cleveland Browns because, you know what, my friend, they are absolutely going to need it in Houston, and that's all i got to say. <laughs> all right, thanks, man. Uh, so I guess John's uh, a Texans, uh, Texans fan? fan. All right. Look, I'm, hey, listen, I'm happy my Browns are in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing I don't like about it, though, the game is at 1.30 p.m. on Saturday. So that's going to be a little distracted on Saturday's postgame. Canucks play at 1 o'clock yeah. on Saturday as well. So um, not happy about the timing, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. I'll still be here talking about the Canucks. Unless we can all agree on a like a media embargo. No. Like nobody texts in about the Browns yeah, score. Someone's gonna, somebody who doesn't like me is going to text in. I know that's going to happen. Ah, there's a few candidates <laughs> for that. There's a few candidates for that. So, I'm, <laughs> so I think saying that only invites people to you sure. know spoil it for you. I, I, I What I... I'm just going to have to keep an eye on the game yeah. and yeah. do my best to keep my uh, composure. Sat will show. be like, you know, Pedersen on the power play, I just don't think he read the cover three defense very well. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, calm, down. calm down. Calm Relax. down. Relax. <laughs> I'm like, Pedersen, touchdown. No. He, he has seven points in the last two games. Yes, Does he get six go. in one game, maybe? <laughs> then we can talk about that, perhaps. All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dude text inbox. Sean getting back in on the phone line. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's like when Pedersen gets knocked down and he uh, still scores. <laughs> Uh, touche. Actually, touche. Eddie's taking some some blame for it as well. He's doing the chest out <laughs> well, yeah. there. But you know what? Uh, Sean in New West, he was there. He came yep. in. Good thoughts, as always. Appreciate it, even though he's a Texans fan. Uh, let's go back to the phone boards. Let's go to Wayne uh, in Surrey. What's going on, Wayne? What are your thoughts tonight? Sat, Vic, how's it going, boys? Good, We're good. Awesome. This was a statement game. You guys had Yannick Hansen on a few shows ago, and he said that the mm-hmm. 2011 team, they had some games marked on the calendar that they would consider statement games. So they would just go out and try to win those. So you need those. I think this is what this team needs. They need those going forward. Um, I got a couple of questions for you guys. All right. So one, one of them is uh, Pedersen. What is your guys' thoughts on what does he want for after the season is over? Because it seems like uh, he wants to kind of wait till the season's over until uh, he makes a decision here. Is he waiting for, you know – Ka-ching, the cap to blow up, and so does his bank account. Or does, is he waiting for, um, like, uh, the team to build itself out and see where it goes forward? The second question I have is: I think the team. What I personally feel is, I think the team needs a top, uh, or sorry, a second line center, mm-hmm. so that they can keep the lotto line together. Just considering what's out there for a top, uh, top four right-handed defensemen, uh, like you know, Tanev and Dante Fabro have been linked to the Canucks. Right. Um, just seeing what's available out there, do you think a top six center would be a uh, second line center would be a better fit for the Canucks? Uh, thanks for the phone call. That's Wayne. Uh, so the first part, um, we'll get to the, the, the trade question coming up in a second. Uh, what was the first part of the question again? I was focused on the second I, I part. I blanked well. out for a second here. Oh, uh, are all no, three no, of us blanked out? No, no, no. I, I'm going to remember here in a second. Uh, about Pedersen, what does he oh, want yeah, to stay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and what what do you think is going to happen on Pedersen? I, I think. I think um, 
honestly, we're at a point with him where I think it's just literally him figuring out what he wants to do. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at, right? He started the season that he wants to focus on the season. Yeah. So that's kind of been what he mentioned. I still think it's more likely Pedersen signs a shorter term deal. I'm not sure he's at a point where he wants to, to you know, commit long term. I think a lot of it is how he feels like things are going to be here the next little bit. You know, and ultimately it's how good your team is, but also how you feel like the team might be beyond this season, how you feel about it. So I think a lot of a lot of those factors go into it. And I wouldn't be surprised, Bick, that as we see some contracts get handed out, we saw the Nylander one and we mentioned that a bit earlier, that by biding his time and a cap increase coming up for next season, that maybe he's not looking at a different number anyways than he would be maybe looking at. Mm-hmm. signing the contract now versus the off season, right? So I think part of it is letting that picture build up, but I just I don't think he's decided yet what he wants to do here long term. Yeah, and and all these updates that we get, you know, can't go more than 10 days without seeing some sort of Pedersen uh contract news. You know, to me it's it's just it feels like we haven't really moved the needle from where we were in September. It, it's it's nice to see some updates and ideas of what the numbers might look like, but as far as like actual negotiations, it doesn't feel like we even come close to there. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, the the temperature I think should should remain low as we talk about like I would be careful. Like I see people saying, being like, "Oh, I'm more pessimistic now because he hasn't signed." Yeah. Yet. Well, he came out and said he wants to wait anyway. So if that's the case, and and I would be very careful trying to project your feelings into what you think Pedersen's is going to do. He's, he's yeah, that's what I mean, like day to day. If you're swinging your your mood on it day to day, I think you're kind of overreacting. I, I've I was kind of like a four out of ten as far as like concern in, in the summer. I'm still at a four out of ten. I still felt like the team's going to sign him. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be a long term deal. I still feel the same way. Now the other part of the question was he feels like a second line center mm-hmm. might be the better player to go after. To me, I'm all for it. But the way I view it is you have two guys, Pedersen and Miller, who can play separately. They can play together. It gives you an option here to take the best player you can find or the best fit you can find, whether it's a center or a winger. Having a center who can play wing, I think, is the best combination. A guy you wouldn't be afraid of moving around because then it gives you the the ultimate versatility. So that's kind of what I view it. I know it's a bit of a cop-out, but that's kind of how I view it. But honestly, like I think... I don't know if you want to keep the lotto line together forever anyways, as good as it's been right now. Mm So... I'm not married to the idea of getting a center, but if that's the best player you can get that makes sense for your team, you have the options with the versatile forwards you had up front to yeah. kind of be flexible here. We'll, we'll touch on this more on the other side, uh, but some other names. We, we mentioned a couple of the past couple of games as well. But, you know, for me, it's best player available, right? It's and, and cost dependent, but is the winger you can get for Elias Pettersson cheaper to acquire than a second line center? Are they better than the second line center you can acquire? What's the versatility like if you need to break up the lotto line? All those things are considerations. But in general, like I'd rather just get a center than a winger. But uh, it's tough right now because the reality of the trade market is, and I know some people text in about like, oh, Konechny and, and this guy and, and Joel Erickson. Look, some of these teams are in playoff chases, right? And Yeah, I, I mean, I still wonder about Konechny and the Flyers if they hit reality at some point. I just don't know if they're Minis- in a spot right now. But is Minnesota at a point, and you pointed this out to me too, Kaprizov has two years left on his deal. <laughs> no, I was joking. No, no, but I'm saying, I'm saying, no, no, that. I'm not saying the Canucks. I'm not talking, I'm saying, sure. are they going to allow or Erickson to go? Probably not. Right. Because they're trying to make sure they're trying to win with him. Sure. All right. Now we'll get to more of your text messages, more of your phone calls, plus player reaction and Ian McIntyre as the Canucks Central Post Game Show rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Adam Fox back to the puck. Nearly gave it away in the slot to Teddy Bluger off the bench, and now he'll sweep it left wing to center for Artemi Panarin into the Vancouver zone. Panarin with a centering pass. What a save by Demko. He rubbed Trocek in front with a left pad on what looked to be a sure tap-in, and it's still 3-1 Canucks. Canucks win 6-3 in New York against the Rangers. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks sitting at 55 points, second place in the National Hockey League, but also second place in the Western Conference behind the surging Winnipeg Jets, who have 56 points in 39 games. Uh, and it is Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. What a tremendous campaign by the Vancouver Canucks so far this year and keeping things going at the midway mark. Almost Officially, the midway, midway, midway mark will get there tomorrow when the Canucks play the New York Islanders in New York as they continue a seven-game road trip. And so far, after losing the first game in St. Louis, not looking very good, they've bounced back with two massive wins in New Jersey and against the Rangers. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, Bix, 650-650. Uh, let's read a couple. We'll, get, we'll hold the phone boards as well, plus we'll hear some uh, player audio. Uh, this one here from Lotso, Hart contender, Selkie contender, Calder contender, Jack Adams contender, Vesna contender. But it's a debate if this team is a contender. It's not a narrative. It's just a cold, hard fact. Uh, and Lotso says, love the point by Fuzz. Love the varied points of view. Thumbs, thumbs up. Yeah, getting a lot of different thoughts uh, throughout the course of the evening from many different people. Uh this one, Keith and Squamish, when Miller scored in response to the first Rangers goal tonight, I knew it was on tonight. Unbelievable performances tonight. Team still picking the blocker side of Demko, but uh, he steadies the ship and closed that out. Yeah, boys. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this text here, I think this, this is an interesting point. Dave from Regina, Coach Tockett has done wonders with guys like Joshua, Hoaglander, and Juleson. I wonder if there's an almost free diamond in the rough out there that we could get. My wish would be a, a mid-six big forward with hands, an Alex Tup, Tuck type uh, that's ready to go on a run. Mm-hmm. Well, the other player they've been kind of linked to is Jordan Greenway. Now, Greenway's making $3 million on the cap. His numbers have you know plummeted, hasn't really done mm-hmm. anything. The contract's there, though. I, I'm, I'm not saying going out and get him. I'm just saying, do they view him as one of those guys, diamond in the rough types, that Dave is kind of alluding to? That one's a bit odd to me. It's the money's too much, yeah. unless money's going out or whatever. Uh, but I understand the player type, because he does kind of fit some other guys they've gone after. He has a profile that you would like, but at that stage, wouldn't you just rather have... Um, or if you're, if you're going to give someone a raise uh, for next season... Sign Joshua instead. Yeah, right? Don't disagree. Now, I will say Greenway has a real mean streak to him. He absolutely does. You know, that maybe some of the Canucks forwards lack a little bit. He's still got to be an effective player. Absolutely. And his numbers, I mean, he can give you something on the forecheck. He hasn't really scored. You're paying him. And when you're paying a guy $3 million, he's got to give you something. There's another forward in Buffalo I'd be more interested in. Uh, Casey Middlestat. That's the guy. Not Alex Tuck, the guy that won't move. Uh, Casey Middlestat. Center can play wing, can do a bit of different. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's in line for a raise, but at the age profile, you'd be okay giving a raise to. But there's a lot of guys that need uh, some contracts this summer for the Canucks. Yeah, there are a lot of guys that do. Um, and I'd say the priority remains Elias Patterson, mm-hmm. of course, and we'll see ultimately how that all unfolds. All right, uh, let's go back to the phone boards. People have been texting about him. He texted in earlier. It's Mike in Surrey. Mike, what's going on? What are your thoughts tonight? Guys, how you doing? Competing. What's going on? Okay. 
Okay, let's see if you guys are going to talk out of both sides of your mouth again. Okay. Oh, and listen, Dude, hey, hey, listen, hold, no, on. hold on, hold on, you, Mike. From Mike. game two onwards, Mike, you've been talking out of both sides of your mouth. So stop that right now. You want to? No, no. Hold on, Mike. You, you can call. You can call in. You can call in. You can call in. I'm calling you. You can calling for what? what? Out. For what? You can give it, but you can't take it. Look who's talking. We let you on the air all the time, Mike. What are you talking about? We can't no, take no, it. No, 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 no. Let me, let me. Do I get a chance to make my comment? You guys have all the power. Man. You, you, you talk yeah, stupidity. Call. We'll stop you. You talk Anytime. sense. We'll let you run. We let you run all the time, Mike. The, the very key. The very no, no. The very key is to separate luck from skill. Do you guys agree at that point? Like your takes, yeah. No, no. Do you agree mm -hmm. that the, the key is to? separate what is luck mm -hmm. and what is skill. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, you guys have been raving about how great the Canucks are with the fans, and then when I put you on the spot last month, Seth said, oh, no, 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 they're only 13th in the league, so I'm going to put you guys on the spot right now. Where are they in the Western Conference, both of you? Where do you rate them? Of all the teams in the Western Conference, where are they at this moment now with all this great victory that you just had? Where are they right now, both of you guys? Let's see. I'd have Colorado and Vegas ahead of them. That's it. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Good. And you're you're on the you're on the record with that. I'll uh, I'll throw Dallas in front of them. Okay, fair enough. Good. And I'll have them. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Maybe another so team, but uh, okay. So maybe about third. Yeah. I agree. You guys think they they moved up to about third in the West, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's quite a big jump from where you guys a month ago where you guys were. Fair enough. You're on the record. I respect that. Well, okay. hang on, hang on, hang on. We just said like they're the third and fourth best team in the West. West. Yeah, I know, I know. So how many teams I in the East them, are we talking I have, about? I have them seventh. Okay. In the West. And here's my point. There's a sports book. You guys are all promoting sports books. It's out in the open now. Everybody's doing it. There's a sports book that takes unlimited money from around the world. They don't cut people off when they win. Why? Because they want to know the sharp players so that they adjust the book so that they get the best lines. They're known for 25 years to have the sharpest lines. Right now, guess where they have the Canucks in the West? Seventh and 13th overall. They have not moved the Canucks at all. What does that say? And you guys think I'm so out there and that my takes are so off? Go, I encourage all, hey, be a fan. I'm a fan. I want the Canucks to win. I'm not going to get excited, though, until my numbers, until this book and my numbers see an actual improvement with their chances to win the Cup. And right now, they're about 20 to 1 to win the Cup, right? Or 15, 20 to according 1. According to you, right? Is, is, that, is that according to you? No, the books. The this books the book have that. I'm telling you that they're unlimited money. They take on, if, it, if you guys are right and the fans are right, they, they, could, they would go out of business. You could, they could take unlimited money. How come they haven't raised the Canucks? And here's tonight as a perfect example. Tonight, the Rangers were the better team. They gave up 37 scoring chances and 20 high dangers, guys. You do that. It was a fun game, but you, the, the Rangers, we, these people are so caught up in, they, you know, there's a final thing. There's an there's a, there's a old saying in sports, act like you've been there. The fans and you, and you guys can't. Oh, don't gatekeep your you fans. No, here, here's the other thing. This so what, what, okay, no, no, before win. you go, before this you go, before you go, answer one question. You said we talk sure. out of both sides of our mouths. How so? 
How so? I told if you want to, you that. Well, how so? I told how you, so? You talked out of both sides. You you criticized me for talking out of both sides of my mouth. So I'm coming back and giving it back. To how you. did how did I speak out of both sides of my mouth? Because you when I before I called in last time, you were saying how great the Canucks were on the side of the fans that they were really really good and they were improving their chances to win the cup. Oh, yeah, they're improving. They're playing. They're playing better. They're improving their chances. Yeah. Did I say they're a content? Did I say they're the best? Okay, go on. Go on. Answer your question then. And then when I when I call, unlike this time when I. I, I, when I asked you a month ago, what were their chances? You said, oh, only 13th or 14th. You backed right back to my side. Who backed so down? We were, so you're I'm you're making saying, stuff up. You're making stuff I'm up. Okay, you're, you're done, up. Mike. You're I'm done, not, Mike. You're done. Go. You're done. He's just making stuff up here. Literally, what we've been saying is this team has... has uh, gone above expectations they played really well you should be hyped about the team their value for doing what they've been doing at no point did i say i feel like they're top five or six team in the national hockey league all i said was they're getting themselves to a spot where they're changing our perception of what the team is you want to call in and criticize go ahead i'm just saying don't make stuff up that's it logic and reasoning like luck and skill uh you know have their uh their place but uh I don't recall talking out of both sides of my mouth there, but Mike was calling in on second game of the season, saying like ninety point team. That's that's never mind. I'll leave it there. Anyways, I'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Text again, saying like, "Hey, you need to cut this guy off and all this sort of stuff." As we've said before, look, we we respect everyone's right to have an opinion, so we we invite the calls, we invite the texts, but we're gonna push back sometimes. That's all. That's all that's going to happen every once in a while. All right. Uh, keep the text messages coming in. 650-650. We'll get to more of those uh, as the show goes on. Um, however, uh, before we do that, let's get to some player audio post game. We mentioned Elias Pettersson. Been a big topic of conversation about how he's played so far and how things are going. Uh, and here he is talking about how much fun it is playing back with the lotto line. Yeah, no, it's just so fun talking about it. Uh, <laughs> talking about the line. No, but it's uh, we play good. I think... Uh, we understand each other in the way I think how we want to defend and forecheck and that sets up good chances offensively for us and uh, I think that's a, a big reason for us why we have the success now. You guys talk about respecting all your opponents but to come in an iconic building that's mm. tough to play in against a good team, how big was this two points? Uh, very big, I mean like you said they're a very good team up, uh, on the other side and uh, we just want to come in and play a good solid six. Then I think we we definitely did that. Happy with it. Your broadcaster said that after you score, that's the nicest goal you'll see tonight, and then it was quickly followed by Neil. So, would you describe Neil's goal after? Uh, I was. Uh, it's good. Like he went uh, between his own legs and shot in stride backhand. I think it definitely fooled the goalie. Yeah, it was both both were good. We'll say that. Uh, that's Elias Patterson post game, sounding uh, like he was pretty excited about uh, how how the team did tonight. Now, Elias Patterson, we know scored an incredible goal, highlight real goal. The other guy who scored a highlight real goal was Niels Hoaglander, and he was also available to the media. And here he is post game. Yeah, I think we played pretty good tonight. Uh, good excuses by everyone. So yeah, happy to win. Pretty impressive skill on display by yourself on that goal. Can you walk us through that? No, I just tried to get the puck through my, my legs there and just get it to the net. I was a little bit lucky that I went five holes. So, yeah, that was a big goal for us. What goes through your mind after you're successful on that one? Uh, I was just happy to score. Uh, that was a big goal for us. And we thought we got some energy from that goal too. So uh, it was a good game for us. 
Does it mean to get a goal like that in this building against that goaltender? Yeah, he's pretty good. So, um, um, yeah, as I said before, also good goal for, for us. So we, we think we played pretty good. That is uh, Niels Hoaglander postgame. Uh, about the game, getting the that goal, goal of the season to some people. Yeah, man, it was an incredible goal from Niels Hoglander. Two on the night. Uh, now he has, what, 12 on the campaign. Uh, the question just kind of comes down to, like, how much more trust mm-hmm. can he gain with the head coach? But he certainly uh, seems like he's having more confidence in him in recent games. They're out there late as well for his shift. So it's not a like lot of guys out late tonight. Yeah. Because uh, as many people noted, uh, getting shifts in the final five minutes or final six minutes. Uh, Hoglander got the shift in the last minute. Uh, but he played at the, his last shift was 6:29. But uh, you know, a little less minutes for some guys, like because Mike, as we mentioned, 12:54 overall. But uh, 15 minutes for uh, Ilya Mikheyev, just 15:35 for uh, Teddy Bluger, uh, Lafferty, and Hoaglander, the the low guys at 10 minutes tonight. Yeah, uh, they were. But uh, and Oman and Oman. But hey. Uh, two goals for Niels Hoaglander tonight. Incredible from him. A lot of reaction on text inbox six fifty six fifty. I know I, I don't want to do the whole you know Mike and Surrey back and forth. And, uh, thing. I don't want to spend right, all time, right now. Every text is about but Mike. Every t- text is about that. But I love the correction because uh, people are texting in. This one says it's twelve to one on bets three six five. The Canucks are twelve to one on bets three six five. This person texts in Curtis and Camloops. My twenty two to one bet for the Canucks to win the cup has jumped to eleven to one on his betting site. Mike Stewart sent me a DM. And let me bring this in here. Um, and this one says, this is a, an NHL Futures site. It has the Canucks as having the 10th best odds to win the Stanley Cup, tied with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Carolina Hurricanes and the Edmonton Hang on, to be fair, though, like different books are going to have different prices. All, I, all I'm saying, he, he was saying he was pointing yeah. to the bookies. Why do the bookies not have the Canucks better than 22 but, to 1? I, different books, yeah. But there are books. If you yeah. want to cite those yeah, books, yeah, there yeah, are yeah, other yeah, books yeah. that have the Canucks as being tied for the sixth best odds to win the cup. Sixth best odds to win the cup. So if you want to use the betting sites and say, oh, these guys know, that's what some betting sites have. So I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, the man who's going to close out the show, we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV. You read him on digital. You hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. <laughs> This is why we are so cosmically connected, the three of us, because I literally am using a gambling lead on my story for Sportsnet. Nice. Oh, very good. Because because do you know that as the Canucks go to Belmont Park, where I think Secretariat completed the Triple Crown, as everyone does, Belmont Park's the last race of the Triple Crown, isn't it? I think uh, it I'm is. not sure. You guys, you're letting me down already. But anyways. Uh, Belmont State, isn't it, it? Yes. Yeah, I've been Belmont Park in New York, which is where the New York Islanders play. It's where UBS Arena. Right, but it's Canucks, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Canucks are going, let me finish. You're <laughs> causing me doubt about my lead now. <laughs> the Canucks no, no, you're, you're right. It, it, it's, in, it's in New York. I, I, just, I yeah. always think it's, it's referred to as Belmont Stakes. All right. Let me start over. My bad. Do you guys know that when the Canucks go to Belmont Park tomorrow to play the New York Islanders, you'll edit out that earlier bit anyways, uh, they have a chance to complete the New York Triple Crown. 
for the first time in Canuck franchise history. They've never beaten the Devils, Rangers, and Islanders on the same trip. And it's been a long time, been over 20 years since they had a chance uh, to complete the Triple Crown. But they've done it by putting 12 goals against in two games against the Devils and Rangers, both of whom would have been very high on those sports books preseason uh, odds to win a Stanley Cup. And the Rangers still are. The Devils, not so much, but they're a dangerous team. And we know that Vancouver hadn't won in Newark for a decade. Well, the Canucks have put in 12 goals while trailing for a total of 53 seconds against those two teams. And uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But to, tonight was another one of those performances at times, you know, because we watch the team day by day. We see them play all these games. And now they've played 40 which is a good sample size too, by the way, that we kind of get accustomed to things. But sometimes when you're watching, as I was tonight in Madison Square Garden, one of the great sporting venues on earth, certainly in North America, one of the most glamorous and famous sporting venues, it's always special when the team plays there and they're handling the conference leading almost top of the NHL mighty New York Rangers uh, fairly handily. Uh, I, I say that understanding there's, there's a, a lot of yeah, buts to that statement, but you know, it got to three, two and, and Pedersen and Hoaglander made, you know, had their moments of uh, sublime uh, stick handling and they end up, winning going away and and it's nights like this i think sometimes even though we've seen what we've seen to this point it it still uh seems almost unreal that this team has gotten here this quickly from where they were a year ago on that big post christmas trip which was in the final among the final days for poor bruce boudreau and how dysfunctional and hopeless the 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 team looked to where they are now is is truly astounding. So what stood out to you uh, as well Sorry today? Sorry about that. That was no, like no, no, four no. minutes. Is the show over or we got time? We're, we're, we're very familiar with your patterns, Ian. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Rick Tockett mentioned that it was it was con- contributions from everyone. Obviously, you know, the lot of line is going to take some headlines. Hughes Ronick takes some headlines. But the, the fact that it was like this style of game and required everyone to me is what stood out. Yeah. Well, I I just think right now they seem to have a little bit of everything. Like you're right about the lotto line and what what they're doing. Considering they played less than 11 minutes together all of last season, what they've done through two games um, is incredible. Even with their background and the success they had years ago, it's incredible, and they're going to get a lot of attention. They got a lot, especially after that first reunion game in New Jersey but it just seems to me the Canucks have have a lot going right now uh if you look well first of all they're they're more or less healthy uh for the first time you know Phil DiGiuseppe is still out and uh you know we haven't seen Breeze blood all they have tonight for 
for the first time what amounted to their best NHL defense, although we're still going to see Juleson. But anyways, they've got their defense, and the defense is, is contributing. And then you look at the forward lines and go through all of them, and, and they're pretty good. I'd say the, the suitor, uh, Manko McCabe line, and I haven't looked at the fancy stats, but it, my impression is they weren't quite as good tonight as they were in New Jersey, but the lifeline, Connor Garland, continues to go. And, uh, you know, chances and zone time and momentum even when they don't score. Uh, and then, you know, the they, they get two goals from Nils Hoaglander tonight uh, from the fourth line. And, of course, another lotto night. They just seem to have a lot going for them right now. And I, I think what this, to me, what this trip has the potential to do, and we're only three games in, and we'll all be, you know, talking about different things if if they lose the final four or if they lose three of the four. But it seems like this trip, they have a chance to validate their status, to show that it's not it's not a fluke. It's not PDO. It's not a, a hot spell. It's not just a matter of a couple of superstars, you know, playing the best they've ever played. They're actually one of the best teams in the NHL. I mean, that's what the standings say right now. Uh, I think this trip into, especially, you know, coming through New York, if they sweep all three of these teams, uh, I think that that gives them a lot of credibility. And, and I know that they, they believe themselves and it's the disbelief or the skepticism uh, from outside the organization. I think that they've carried like a tip on their shoulder. You know, Ian Cole even said that up during the last stand that they need to keep that chip on their shoulder. So, but I think even for them, to do what they're doing and win in places that like, you know, Prudential center and MSG, they've been so difficult for them to win in recent years. I, I think has got to reinforce a lot of their own, own beliefs and uh, influence a lot of the beliefs from people outside the organization who maybe don't pay attention because so often uh, playing games at midnight in the East and and how about the people running the organization and the level of confidence they should have in this team and and you know not to make this about you know how do they make the team better but I don't think any of us expected the team to be in a position where we're, they're sitting here now, Ian, with the second-best record in the National Hockey League in terms of points, just a point behind Winnipeg for the top spot in the conference right now. And you can legitimately ask the question if it's worth worth it for them at the deadline to be as aggressive, be as, aggressive as possible. Yeah, I, I always hesitate to use a, a, a blanket term like that because, you know, there's a lot possible. Like, if you really want to be aggressive... You can do a whole lot of stupid things yes. as well to be aggressive. But as as we've talked about before, uh, you should never, ever be complacent about opportunity because we've seen firsthand how fleeting that can be. I mean, the Canucks had, had uh, an incredible golden era there under Elaine Vigneault and, and Mike Gillis 
and winning all those division titles, going to all those uh, playoff series, you know, I think four years into the second round and then one year to the final. Uh, But look how, when it ended, look how quickly it ended. You know, uh, a couple of years later, uh, the organization was in, in disarray. Look how, you know, the 94 team that went to the final, that a lot of people thought, well, this is, this is uh, part of another era. Well, you know, three years later, Pat Quinn was out of a job and, and there was utter chaos with, with Mike Keenan. And you just, you, you can never take for granted much as teams plan for the quote unquote window. And, and hopefully there is a window and hopefully it goes for years like it did with the Sedins and, and Ryan Kessler and Roberto Luongo and, and all those, the great players who contributed to, to those division titles and those year after year after year going to the playoffs. Uh, it's often not like that. And, and I'm not predicting, you know, doom or that next season, everyone is, is going to be despondent again because the team's going to be losing, but I don't think you should ever take for granted. Uh, when you have an opportunity to win. And clearly, as this team is showing on this road trip, they have an opportunity to win. They have an opportunity to do something. Uh, they do. And uh, it's really interesting to watch this team. And we saw that poor performance against the Blues and wondered, okay, how do they react? Do they bounce back? And they certainly have bounced back in a massive way. And Ian, I look forward to chatting with you tomorrow as well, because the Canucks are in New York to take on the Islanders. And, you know, I, I was a bit concerned about them being able to have a successful road trip, losing that first game. And all the Canucks have done is win two impressive games back to back. So maybe just maybe they're going to come away with a with a winning road trip after all. Yeah, well, and and a sweep of New York, which uh, again has has never happened for this franchise. But I think tomorrow probably is going to be the toughest game uh, of all, even though the Rangers are where they are in the standings. But to to have to go uh, to Long Island and play on the second part of a back to back, and and not get happy with themselves after these two uh, performances that they've had in the New York area so far, that's going to be, that's going to be a really big challenge for them. And I look forward to talking to you. And now I got to go back and rethink my story because clearly you guys didn't get or dig the triple crown reference. And I'm wondering whether you're outliers or representative of my reading audience, Uh, probably outliers, I'm guessing. No, it might be a good representation. No, it it was a strong (laughs) reference. Actually, I had a question for you, uh, Ian. Because you were at, yeah. uh, you posted a picture at Grand Central Station. I did. Uh, so I have a, a, a question for you. What weighs more, all the trains that pass through Grand Central Station in a day, or all the trees cut down in a year to print U.S. money? Is this a serious question? Like you have the answer ready to go on this? It, 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 it's a trick question, but yes, I have the answer for you. <laughs> well, now that you told me it's a trick question, I hesitate to answer, but I'll say uh, all the trees that are cut down for. And print money. They both weigh the same. They're both zero. Because <laughs> it, it's it's Grand Central Terminal, not Grand Central Station. Uh, see, that's wasn't that like a yeah, it's a joke from Inside Man, right? Yeah. I, I thought yeah. so. Right? Okay, I thought I'm like hey, he's making a movie reference here. <laughs> oh, and and U.S. money is not not also yeah. There you go. You picked paper. up on it. There you go. Okay. Oh, very good. Yeah. I should have thought about that a little more, but this but, is radio. Yes, try yes. to be snappy. Yeah, <laughs> my appearance is notwithstanding. I was I was trying to make a movie <laughs> reference. Yeah. All right. 
Well done, Nick, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, Ian, great stuff as always, my friend. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca and chatting with you tomorrow night. And post a picture from Belmont Park. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be dark there, but okay. Uh, thanks, I'm, thanks, I'm Mike. Uh, that is Ian McIntyre. Make sure to read his latest on sportsnet.ca. And as always, he's an insider brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at dleamc.com. And Bick, that brings us to the end of the show. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. Again, we read pretty much all your text. We may not get to all of them all the time, but we appreciate them very, very much. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun. Canucks in New York to take on the Islanders. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see the Canucks take on Bo Horvat yet again and how that matchup's going to Round fly. three. Round three, and the Canucks, well, they've done a pretty good job uh, the last couple times these two teams have met. So You're not a rubber match. No, uh, a lot of motivation, I would bet, for the New York Islanders, who have been leaky defensively, but very good goaltending-wise. And Bo Horvat is having a lot of success on his line with Anders Lee and Matthew Barzell. So, so Lotto Line versus their top line is going to be a lot of fun tomorrow. So we look forward to chatting with you about it on the postgame show. He's Bick Nazar. He'll be back here again tomorrow. We'll be back for the postgame. I'll be back with Dan Richo for the pregame show and intermissions. Thanks for Fast Eddie Gregory and all of you for listening, participating, and being part of the postgame show on the Home Your Canucks Sportsnet 650. Well done, Bick, I guess. <laughs>